0: Welcome, sports fans, to another episode of the Sports Unite podcast. We are here to continue our discussion about the upcoming Major League season. Uh, That's right, eating all those crazy contraptions at the ballpark and getting way too sunburnt watching a horrible baseball team. But it got you out of the house. That season is here, uh, and we are here to break it down. Uh, If you did not catch our first episode uh, talking about uh, the western side of Major League Baseball, we are going to continue that with the Central uh, and East Divisions, uh, so you can find that going forward. We have our hosts here with us. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Hello,
1: everybody. Thank you for having me again.
0: Charles rocking the Zeller's poster. Very excited for everyone's favorite retailer to return.
2: And that's a, that's a Zeller's Expos poster. The, of the, Quebec, uh, the Expo's will return. Mark my words.
0: And last but not least, Cole, I'm going to eat a cereal hot dog. Bring
3: it on. Always a pleasure, everybody.
0: Uh, with a new season, of course, there is crazy foods to be had at Major League Stadiums. Uh, Of course, the talk here is having a patin dog here at uh, Rogers Centre. It's not so crazy for us here in Canada. Uh, But uh, there's plenty of crazy baseball uh, foods, and hot dogs is a staple at any stadium. Uh, So uh, let us know on social media what your favorite ballpark food is, uh, what you've tried, what you looked at, and you went, no, that's definitely not for me. Uh, Because there are certainly some items that you just, you actually want to watch the baseball game, not spend it in a concrete bathroom for hours (laughs) and hours. So we're going to pick up where we left off. We covered the AL and NL Central, or West, and we are going to head to the Central Divisions. We're going to start with the NL Central. So just to remind you, nothing's changed from last year. And, you know, years gone by, but... Those teams are the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds. And uh, I think like the other uh, NL uh, conference that we've covered already, it's it's not uh, you know any one of these five could really take it. I think this is we're again down to two teams, maybe three if something really, really goes right and they're hanging around around the All-star break, but uh, I think this is a two-team race, uh, and nothing's really changed from last year.
2: No, nothing really has. Uh, Cincinnati's going to be on the Joey Votto watch for all year long. Uh, sure, we all saw it, but the hypothetical scenario that the, red, that the Cincinnati GM said, if Joey Votto came to him and said, I wanted to be traded home to Toronto, we all know that's where he's from. Bottles in his last season or two, really. He's, he doesn't have much left, left in him. He has only experienced the playoffs four times, and the Reds have never won a round either. So he's never had playoff success, and he is one of the premier power hitters of his generation. So he, he somewhere deep in his soul, as loyal, and he has been extremely loyal to the Cincinnati organization, got to give him props on that. Like Today's society and in, in, in the world of sports, you don't see – player loyalty to a team or teams being loyal to a player. It's very, it's very much just a business move on. You trade star players away, but Cincinnati and uh, Votto been very loyal to each other. So, but you still want to see something good happen for him. So the Cincinnati, Cincinnati GM said he'd try and make a trade to Toronto happen. If Joey Votto asks for it, the Reds have nothing else going for them. They have some good prospects, but they're still three to five years away from being bona fide everyday MLB players. So. It, it's going to be painful for Reds fans, and I'm sorry, but like to anyone who's a Reds fan out there, this is going to be a painful season. You're looking at probably 100 losses or more. So be, uh, it, It's going to be painful to watch. Teams are going to beat up on Cincinnati all year long, and it's a question of when will Votto like, – does Votto leave, and if he does, when? Uh, I'm calling it happening actually before the trade deadline, probably mid-July, maybe, maybe a week ahead of the deadline at the most. I don't see it going down to the 11th hour.
3: Especially a player like him, you would want him to, where you've seen it in other leagues, slowly transition before the deadline. So he has a couple games to kind of get used to the team and the players and the atmosphere there. Because a switch like that coming from Cincinnati Reds, where he's played for so long, to Toronto, the whole atmosphere, the whole country back in one team, it's a, it's a completely different kind of scenario for him especially the home crowd for him, too, uh, would be something you'd kind of need those couple extra games just to kind of get in that mode.
2: And you gotta, you got to think, uh, Joey Votto has played in a lot of pitcher-friendly ballparks in the National League. Put him in the AL East, and holy shit. He'll either be like Jose Bautista rein, reinvigorated, reinvented, reinvented 2010 or, um, uh, Joey Vallo either be feast or famine, but the potential there with a Vladi Guerrero jr. And Joey vado going three, four and Varsho and a few others. Uh, that just makes my mouth salivate as a Blue Jays fan is that, that potential being there, especially when, when you go to New York with that incredibly short portion right field. Um, uh, really the same story in Pittsburgh too. The Pirates and the Reds are going to be, you know, the Pirates have a future, don't get me wrong. They've got some good young talent. they got some strong guys. They're, they're maybe a year or two ahead of Cincinnati in this. So they're they are going to have a season probably still 85, 90 losses. They won't be a 500 ball club. But these two teams are going to be forgotten about by the time uh, not even Canada Day rolls around. By the time we hit uh, Saint-Jean-Baptiste here in Canada they'll be forgotten about in the uh, NL Central.
0: The, uh, is it actually time for Pirates fans to be excited? Because other than those few seasons uh, where they made the playoffs and actually had like a run, you're like, oh, wow! like I, I kind of am cheering for them because they had that underdog feel. The Pirates have not been good for so long. And they had that um, AJ, uh, McCutcheon – uh for a long long time and he kind of was the the, the Votto route now he did go to he got traded and tried to win a championship um to other teams but like he was facing the same thing Vado was with just a solid player they loved him the fans loved him he loved the city but just you know even when they made the playoffs it was like oh good for you like that on the back
2: pretty much and now uh... It's going to be a feel good season, at least at the beginning, for the for Pirates fans, because Andrew McCutcheon did return to them in the off season, mm-hmm. so they're going to be enamored all oh, he's back. It's nice to see him again. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, by the time we see the the Saint Jean Baptiste here, that those feelings will be long gone, and McCutcheon will probably be the one of the few assets they can trade and get some, you know, prospects in in return. Oh, yeah, I think he'll definitely get traded again around the deadline.
1: Like you said, they'll be out. Reds lose a hundred plus. Pirates
2: lose ninety five plus. I'm not arguing that at all. I see that right. being very easy.
1: Yeah, so they're they will be forgotten
2: about very early in the season. Then we get to the what I call a dark horse of the NL Central. And that's the Chicago Cubs, because if a lot of things break right for them, they'll challenge for at the very least a wild card spot. But again. A lot of things have to break right for them. Their lineup, in no specific order, they've got Jan Gomes. He knows big moments. He knows how to win. He's got a World Series ring. He's been in a lot of big moments. They went big and they and they got Dansby Swanson out of Atlanta in the offseason as a free agent. So, shortstop there really is locked down now for the next few years there. And they have, um, what's his name, Nico Horner on the, now move, switching from shortstop to second base to make room for Swanson, but that gives them one of the most athletic and versatile up-the-middle infields in baseball. There's not too many other teams, and I'm even going to put the, the, that just a tandem of shortstop second base. I'll put the Cubs ahead of the Blue Jays by about that much, just a little bit in terms of range and athleticism. Bo shed I'm going to talk about him a little bit later on, and you'll see why I'm, I'm putting the, the Cubs ahead. But the Cubs' middle infield is top five in baseball in my mind. Mm-hmm. for athleticism and and real dependency reliancy uh consistency all that um they get a little iffy in the in, in the starting rotation they're led by marcus stroman the former blue jay we all remember him uh but then he kind of drops off after that when you have jameson talion as your number two when in most other you know bona fide contenders he's a number four option maybe even a five um not a lot's gonna go right Kyle hendricks is back there as well, but I think he's still on the injured list as, as far as I remember correctly. Um, they got they went out and picked up Julian May, Merriweather to add to their bullpen to give them an option. Listen, for the few innings he pitched for the Blue Jays over two years, he was phenomenal. The problem is he can't stay healthy long enough. He always seems to get an oblique strain or a lat strain, something where he misses sixty days, ninety days of the season, and yeah, he's you don't you don't know what you have with him when he's healthy. The ability to throw a 79-mile-an-hour changeup and then follow a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, ain't too many hitters in baseball. Not even Judge can really handle some of that uh, velocity discrepancy. So he's an an elite reliever when healthy, but he's just not healthy enough to stay in an elite category. Uh, I've got the Cubs finishing third in the division. Like I said, if a lot of things break right for them, they might move up, but you're also going to need to get some injuries in St. Louis or Milwaukee to make that happen, really, because – Milwaukee, they went out. You know they, they've got an elite rotation. That's probably one of the biggest strengths of the whole team is their rotation. Uh, you have Christian Yelich out in left field. You've got uh, William Contreras and Rowdy Telez. So you got three solid good hitters there in the top half of the rotation. Um, you know, Corbin Burns is, is a perennial Cy Young candidate the last three or four years. Uh, Brandon Roderick is nothing to, to laugh at either. Uh, Freddie Peralta is, you know, if he puts his injuries from last year behind him and returns to 2021, Freddy Peralta, that's a top three that could win the ALD, sorry, not the AL, the NL Central very easily. Um, the bullpen probably is where they lack since they got rid of their closer, uh, Josh Hader. So they don't really have, a bonafide roles for a lot of people right now, so it's going to be very much bullpen by committee. You you won't have the same guy doing the seventh inning or eighth inning and ninth inning. Everyone's going to be moved around based on matchups. It makes it harder to match up against them, but it also makes it hard to get any kind of consistency. So Milwaukee is going to be St. Louis's biggest challenger to the crown in the NL Central, but that's not really saying a whole hell of a lot based upon the teams that are there. So not, I say 90 wins for the Brewers, mostly because. They'll beat up on the on three of the other teams that they're playing against in their division, so they get a lot of wins on division play. But and you know the uh, AL West, no, the, excuse me, the NL West, they'll beat up on Arizona and Colorado. But uh, second place only for them, maybe a wild card spot, but uh, that's about all you can hope for if you're in Milwaukee these days. Uh, St. Louis, and this is where, as I was writing these notes for today, I got a little emotional because for the first time. In 20 years, I wasn't writing Albert Pujols' name down. And that made me stop for a moment and be like, shit, I'm not – I actually had to scratch – I started to write his name and I actually had to scratch it out. Um, no Yadi Molina, no Albert Pujols. They had a great uh, send-off last year, uh, making the playoffs when they didn't even look like they were going to in June. Albert got hot, hit 700 home runs, wrote um, off in the sunset very nicely. That being said, they probably still have the best some. In the division of power, and Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, two guys who finished on the MVP balloting last year in the top three. Um, I'm not even sure the Blue Jays ever pulled that off having two guys finish in the top three of MVP voting, even in the Blue Jays' best years in the 90s, in the 80s, in 88 through 93. I'm not sure if any of that ever happened for them. Um, they got uh, one of the other Contreras brothers taking over for Molina behind the plates. They pulled him out of Chicago. So he will have a very big shoes to fill. Yadier Molina was probably the best catcher ever in my mind. I don't, I don't see too many catchers who are ever better than him for how he played the game. Um, also, you know, if anyone saw Adam Wainwright's uh, rendition of the Star Spangled Banner kicking off opening day, you can tell the Cards are a loose team. They're still feeling pretty good about themselves. Um, now, Miles My, uh has got rocked by the Blue Jays in his season debut, but him and Wainwright and Jordan Montgomery—they will be a very solid top three. They will compete very well against anyone else in the in the National League. So I've got the, the Cards winning 96 games, winning their division. Is it going to be enough to get a first-round bye? Who knows because you're still going to have to deal with the Dodgers and a couple other powerhouse teams in the uh, NL East. But so I, I, that's where I go down. I've got the Cards going one. Um, I mean, Giovanni uh, Galois and Ryan Helsey in the bullpen for St. Louis, eighth and ninth innings, locked down. So if they can get to there the lead, it's almost going to be chalking up on the board early, two innings early. So Cards one, Brewers two, Cubs three. Pittsburgh four and Cincinnati five. That's all i call the division for this year.
1: It's pretty, um, pretty solid there. I mean, you, there, you didn't leave much left for uh, anybody else. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's okay. You're, you're on a roll there. I I'm also going to jump in. You were, uh, you're on fire. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, uh, before you said you had 96 wins for the Cardinals, I was thinking 94, 95. So we're in the same mindset there. Uh, Brewers, like you said, they're number two. I think they will be around the 90 win mark. Um, Cubbies, I have them around 500, but I mean, could be a few games above. If things go their way, if things don't go their way, they'll dip down a few games below. But like you said, Cardinals, Brewers, Cubbies, Pirates, Reds, and that's all she wrote.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I feel the Brewers might challenge Cardinals with Christian Yelich if he can stay healthier. Mm. In the last few seasons he hasn't. He he's gotten those few injuries that has really like um cut him down for a while during the season. So that I feel is gonna be a good make or break for the Brewers and keeping up with the Cardinals with with this
0: with this division uh if the the brewers can stay within a four game series uh of the cardinals uh i would say that's a win for them um you know obviously you're going to need a four game sweep against the cardinals that's very tough to do uh but you guys are very generous with your win totals compared to the people that that pay lots of money to do this well, as we found out on the
1: last episode, Justin,
0: they are on <laughs>
1: drugs. Okay, they, they are.
3: On... <laughs> they're
0: they're they're putting the Cardinals at eighty nine wins, the Brewers at eighty four and a half, um, the Reds and Pirates at sixty six and sixty seven, um, and the Cubs at seventy eight.
1: Well, I mean those three, the bottom three. I was pretty the, the
0: bo- Yeah, the, the bottom, bottom three. Those. Yeah yeah you guys are are given given high nineties to and uh not i guess not to spoil it but um there' are only uh there are only five teams that have ninety four or above wins in this um season preview uh from m l b experts uh on a certain site so <laughs> Well, well, that's... well, hold on for one second there. Okay, so they, they only have five teams winning 94 or
2: more. Um, okay, sorry. so
0: it it goes from 94 and the top is 95 and a half.
2: In, in, and that's in all of baseball or just in the National League?
0: All of baseball.
2: Oh, well, uh, so they, they do they think that both the Padres and Dodgers won't win 100 games or be very close to that? Uh, they, you think,
0: they think the Dodgers are at 94 and a half? Uh, they think the Padres. Uh, oh, geez. Um, um, Padres are at 94.
2: Okay, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see both those teams hit 97 or more, mm-hmm. number one. So that, that's two teams right there. Weren't they, they both at 100 last year, though? Dodgers, very, very at, close to? Dodgers were up around the high 90s last year.
3: The Dodgers, Dodgers were, yeah. 92.
2: Yeah. So, like, I. I have them moving a little bit more higher up, especially if they stay, if they stay healthy. Now, obviously, they don't stay healthy. We, we talked about this last time. Padres, if they don't stay healthy, are fucked. they got to get health from from, from their stars. Mm-hmm. But Dodgers, Padres, Cardinals, and then we're about to talk about the NL East in a second. And how do they not uh, see those teams doing more than 94 wins? There's five oh, in the National League alone that should have 94 or more by the I'll, end of the year.
0: I'll play a little bit of a spoiler. They only have seven teams above 90.
2: Oh fuck! What drugs are they smoking? I want some of that. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I the, said, like, the Cardinals these guys are on drugs.
0: The Cardinals and the Rays are are the highest under ninety at eighty nine, uh, and then it goes down from there. And they're they're eighth and ninth. In How to, many in do they have wins. winning
1: less than seventy?
0: Uh, less than seventy. I say four because uh, they must
1: have like everybody like close in that if
0: no one's winning over ninety. They have, yeah, they have seven They have seven under 70. Woo! And then there's a big log jam. Well, it goes from 69 and a half. Those are the Tigers. Uh, and then it jumps up to 75 and a half for the Marlins. And then there's a hodgepodge all the way to the Cardinals in Rays at 89.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much most of the league right there. So but yeah. so what, what they're saying is that most of the league is going to be around 500 this year. Uh, they, I think. You're, wow, which is no, the, no, no, the, no even problem.
0: even the odds of that happening are very very slim. To
2: that's a futures bet that will cash out of two million dollars for you, no problem.
0: Yeah, throw a
3: dollar on that sucker.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, they
1: must just think with everybody playing each other this year that they're all going to split their series.
0: Well, they, they, they must. Their yeah, that's the here. difference. Yeah
2: still well
0: uh, going I'm... based on going based on current projections uh which is horrible to look at after the first after the first weekend of series because you've only played one team and you know you're gonna be played three or four games uh the projection of a full season is not too many teams like 90 is the highest oh 93 but
2: yeah, want to be lots like of people Anyone who went two yeah. and one over the weekend is is, is projected for a hundred wins.
0: Exactly. Well, according, <laughs> according to this site, <laughs> according to this site, anyone who's two and one uh is ninety or ninety-three wins. Two and two is eighty-nine. One and two is well, it depends on who you are too, and they do strength. So yeah, uh, so yeah, eighty. This must be the place that Gary Bettman gets all his data from. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, Arizona's a viable community and
2: I, I, I'd be interested you know, we should we should, we should make a noting we'll, we'll go back and revisit this at the end of the year and see were the quote-unquote experts right or was were we right as to how many teams did better than 94 wins?
0: I like that. Well, let's jump over to the um, AL Central uh, where last year, again, like the NL, both all the uh, all sides were very much a mirror of each other, on the AL Central side, uh, it was just the Cleveland Guardians winning the division uh, with uh, ninety two wins, and then it drops off uh, for the White Sox, the Twins, the Tigers, and the Royals. Um, again, I I don't see much change other than the you know the Sox appearing to try and do something. But, you know, uh, I wish, you know, the Tigers were better. Uh, you know, the Royals are trying to get a new stadium. So being good in an attempt to get a new stadium is always good, beneficial for the team and fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, the NL, the AL Central, the, just not a lot happened over the off season that makes me think that there's big change coming. Uh, there's no changing of the guard yet.
2: Not really, uh, and you, you're very right, Justin. You know, it was very quiet off season for a majority of the AL Central here. Uh, the Kansas City Royals and the Tigers really—they're trying. They're, they're relying on a lot of uh, growth from within. The Royals really need Bobby Witt Jr. and MJ um, Mandela, or sorry, Melan Dia. Excuse me. Uh, I swear I get that name right one of these days. Uh, they, they need MJ Melendez? Melendez. Thank you. He'll be around for a <laughs> while. It's okay. We'll, we'll... <laughs> uh, they took steps back last year. You know, they were very they were very much in spurts, hot, cold, more so than they probably, especially for Bobby Wood Jr., way more than he should have been. So they need to not just take one step forward. They need to take two steps forward this year to get back not only back to where they were, but to be growing and showing that they can learn and compete consistently at this level. That is really what 2023 for the Royals is all about. It's very much uh, all about the rebuild, and I'm gonna say this a couple other times about other teams uh, tonight. So, but the Royals is the wins and losses actually don't matter to them. It's about growth. So to draw a parallel, is much very much a Montreal Canadian feel to the, the Kansas City Royals this year. The wins and losses don't really matter. It's what like, can the team grow? Can they learn together? Can they can they compete together? Have each other's backs? really form a, a bonds and camaraderie and go with it. Um, they're they're going to be led by Zach Greenkey on the hill. He's not going to be – he is not the ace he once was, let's just face it. Uh, Jordan Lyles is a massive innings eater for them on the mound. Model of, As much of a model of consistency as you can get out of Kansas City these days, he doesn't get hurt very much. Uh, they don't really have much after that. They've got a couple spots – well, they have a couple spots open – Uh, and I needed a lefty on on the uh, rotation, so I had uh, Daniel Lynch as my best bet to start it, with Ryan uh, Yarbrough just more in the bullpen, being being used for there. But, uh, I mean, Scott Barlow in in the bullpen is, I think he's pitching to about a 2.30 ERA the last two years. He's as shut down as they can come, really. An electric arm out of there, so They'll have some good moments. There's going to be some really, uh, really bright moments off and on for them this year. They'll have a couple games where it's going to wow people. It's probably going to be about the only thing they can cheer about this year. Remember, they have a new president and a new skipper. So everyone's going to be learning and feeling each other out. I mean, they've been doing that for the last month, but this is really going to be. I thought you were going
0: to say they've been doing it for the past few years, but.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so this is going to be pretty much a sit back into the year and see did they accomplish anything did anyone learn if they did season season is success if not then back to the drawing board tigers is very much the same thing i've got both the tigers and the royal penciled in under 70 wins they're going to get beat upon by the white Sox and, and the indians all season long doesn't matter if it's only 14 games versus the 19 it was last year you could chalk up almost 28 losses to both those teams Right now, um, I mean, Detroit, they lost Greg Soto as their closer, so they don't have anyone really to sit down there. I mean, Alex Lance has got probably the next best option for what his, for what his arm and what his stuff does. Um, pretty much, we, we talked about the Joey Vado watch. In Detroit, it's the Jonathan Sc- Scope watch. He's going to start them with Detroit, but he will not finish the year as a Tiger. Uh, someone's going to need an elite defender with a with a mild back come to trade deadline, whether it's the Yankees who solved our problem by throwing money at everything and trading away prospects, or anybody else, but he's going to be there. It's Miguel Cabrera's final season, so he's going to be a lot more the um, leadership and behind the scenes kind of mentoring rather than 40 home runs and 100 RBI and triple crown. That's no no one's going to be looking at him for that this year. Well, uh, he hasn't been like that for the last few years anyways, though. No, but you can see that, obviously, the, yeah. the decline is there. The, 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 the decline <laughs> is very real, but, you know, he's going on his farewell send-off tour pretty much of baseball. So, like Big Poppy and a few others before him, uh, a lot of teams will honor him beforehand, uh, you know, during the series, present him with something. So, we can we can see that as, as, a, as probably the highlight of the Tiger season.
1: Until the trade – deadline until Cabrera gets traded to, uh, to a contender
2: I don't see him getting traded
1: I think yeah, he might kinda... ask for it to, to have just one yeah. I don't know, just his last year I wouldn't be sh- I he probably he might not get traded, he might stay in Detroit for the, you know, just stick it out the last year and be there but I also wouldn't be shocked because they're not doing anything and maybe he's like you know what, it's my last year Maybe I want to try to to go for it, and Detroit would be smart and honor that and give him to the Dodgers.
3: <laughs> yeah, like you can see if a deal could be done. Why not? Either,
2: you, eh? <laughs> Actually, if Detroit was smart, they would trade him out of the AL, out of the American League. Um, I, I just don't see him getting traded. He he he's got to that point. He'll only be traded if he wants to be. Otherwise, he'll stick the season out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he has won a championship, so he's not missing that. Did um, he win it with the Marlins before he went to Detroit? Yeah. Oh, okay. first year. Yeah. That's, so that's what I was, what I like, was checking on. because I had to go clear. back and wait,
2: When did he win a championship with Detroit? No, he didn't. And then it dawned on me, Marlins.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So like it, it, yeah, he doesn't have to ring chase if you will. Mm-hmm. So then it's just a uh, one one more kick of the can. Or I've spent so many years in Detroit, that I just kind of want to you know have that. What what has been happening lately is that farewell tour uh, that happens for players. Um, and generally, that only happens if you stay on the team. If you get traded, everyone's just like, nah, we don't care anymore. You don't get a goodbye yeah. from us. So. Yeah. Oh, we already played you. Sorry, you got your goodbye already.
2: Pretty much, yeah. So we're we're good there with the Tigers and the Royals. We know that.
0: (laughs) We know where they're at the same.
1: (laughs) Um, So, sorry, go ahead, Sean. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, they're both around
2: 100 losses, 95 to 100 losses. That's
1: pencil that in right now.
2: Yeah, I've got them actually both finishing with identical sixty-five and ninety and uh, ninety-seven records. Although it's yeah, not shocking if they actually hit the actual three-digit mark for hundred losses. Um. So now, like the NL Central, so like like their National League cousins, the American League's dark horse in the Central, the Minnesota Twins. And you people can be looking, like, why dark horse? They have good players. They just can't get them all to stay healthy long enough to actually put it together. Yeah. Byron Buxton could be one of the best center fielders in the history of the game. And I say that full well, knowing that our all time favorite left handing hitter, Ken Griffey Jr., plays center field. But Byron Buxton could be one of the best center fielders ever if he could just stay healthy. He hasn't played more than hundred games since 2017. He has gone now wow. five years without playing more than hundred games. So that is a big, big problem. Um, last year, he played 92 games, had 28 home runs. He translated that to a full year. That's superstar numbers. That's 40-plus home runs, touching 50 almost. And he's just a tough out of the plate, covers so much ground in center field. It's like a vacuum, he has a vacuum cleaner attached to it, to his damn arm. Uh, they still have Carlos Correa after he tried to land two other places and sign over $500 million worth of contract. He signs one with – signed back where he started in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, Sean, I, I see you shaking your head. <laughs> I know. Like, that was just a whirlwind of will he, won't he? He fell with The bachelor on steroids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Uh, but boxing Correa top of the lineup, I mean, that doesn't get much harder than that to start your ballgame. Once you're facing George Springer and Bo Bichette, but you get my point. Uh, Max Kepler, near the, the lower down the lineup. Jorge Polanco, solid players. Uh, the Twins' rotations, probably their weakness. They're really, you know, Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan. They're good consistency, they're good stability, but they're not really aces. They're not going to go out there and be like Doc Halliday. May he rest in peace. Or Roger Clemens. And just get the ball every fifth day and say, okay, we're losing. This ends now. We're done. We're winning. Uh, They also need a bit of a healthy rebound in 2023 from those three guys. Where the Twins really, if they can get the lead to the eighth inning, Johan Duran and Jorge Lopez in the bullpen. Duran, and I say this in quotation marks, he averages, like an average fastball from him is 100 miles an hour. The guy can top out about 103. Today's In today's baseball, that makes him lethal. Just you, When you see that fastball, you just pray, don't hit me. Please don't hit me with that. Mm-hmm. So the Twins, if they can get a lead to the late innings, they can lock it down no problem. They've got Correa, who's a great shortstop. They've got a great center fielder. With, with Buxton has a great arm too, don't get me wrong. They're hoping for a, a rebound from Joey Gallo. Really hoping for a rebound out of him that he—he's not the Yankee Joey Gallo. He's more the Texas Ranger Joey Gallo. A lot of things come together. They'll be above 500, and they'll probably push for a wild card spot. Will they make it? Probably not, but they'll push. Without, without the injuries. Yeah,
3: yeah. That's why they missed the playoffs the last two years. Oh like, yeah, They're, they're starting bullpen—you can't like no one stays healthy. They're starting pitcher rotation just gone completely in the dust. So you can have those Carlos Correa's, but they can only do so much when you have a team that can't... Players can't finish games for a season. And like that may be said that maybe there's too many games of baseball, but that's always been the talk. But at the same time, you have a lot of those kind of day breaks and things like that that could be... Up in the air in regards to health wise with players. But when you have a something like that and the consistency isn't there and it's shown, you gotta change something.
2: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Now I I draw our attention to probably the biggest underperformer of the year from last year, and that is the Chicago White Sox. We all we all sat here a year ago and we had the White Sox winning the division by a landslide. Didn't exactly happen as, as history went on to prove us wrong.
0: They ended up as mediocre as you can be, and that's 500.
2: And honestly, I have them finishing not much ahead of where they finished last year. They have a brand new skipper. He's been preaching discipline and the fundamentals, all, like pretty much like John Schneider, all spring training. And you, you can see that the team clearly lacked discipline and playing solid fundamental baseball the second half of last year because they just faded off. Everyone figured, okay, after the All-Star break, they're going to kick it in gear. But they just fell off a cliff. So, mm-hmm. and to Cole's point, where offensive players can only do so much, um, last year, Lance Lynn, Lucas, Giolito, and Michael Kopak all took big steps back on on the mound, and that really sunk them. So they're going to have to take steps forward again. And like I talked about Bobby Wood Jr., he's going to take two steps forward with these three pitchers to get back to where they were and where they need to be going, because Tim Anderson, who's an electric shortstop, my God, uh, like he reminds, me, he reminds me of a, of a Griffey Jr. playing in the infield, pretty much. And he can only do so much on the field, only so much with the bat, without the pitchers doing anything there. They uh, Did have some weaknesses in the field last year. They couldn't get any kind of production at the plate or in the field. They did go out and get Andrew Benatendi, so that's going to be a very solid defensive addition (laughs) for them. I know the Blue Jays were looking at Benatendi at the trade deadline last year. Wound up going with uh, uh, Merrifield. So, we'll see you there. Um, Other than that, really, it's going to be... Obviously, health plays a big part, but it's it's the... Rotation taking two steps forward to really back up Dylan Cease. Without him, like he can only do so much on his own. Like Look at Roy Halliday and the Blue Jays for all those years. Halliday would have 22 wins, monstrous numbers, the team, 25 games under 500, kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: White Sox, the exact same thing happened to them because Liam Hendricks, one of their best bullpen arms, is out as he's getting treatment for non Hodgkin lymphoma. My heart goes out to you, brother. Um, all the best for Liam Hendricks. That is a scare. Whether it's you know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or whether it's straight up Hodgkin's, it is a nightmare of a disease to battle. And I wish him all the best. I hope uh, speedy recovery and he can return to playing baseball this season. Um, Kendall Graveman and Jake uh, Dykeman and Joe Kelly are great experienced arms in the bullpen, but can they recapture what made them great? Kendall Graveman was actually part of the Josh Donaldson trade between Oakland and Toronto. Years ago, Raven was in the Blue Jays organization. He was one of the key pieces that, went, along with Brett they went back the other way. Joe Kelly, we used to be one of the most feared setup men and closers in baseball. Now he's kind of a a Brendan Gallagher or a Brad Marshaw. He's a mouth. He can still pitch every now and then, but he's more of a mouth, and he'll, he'll he'd rather hit you and start a fight than actually throw than actually pitch an inning. So a lot needs to go right there in Chicago for them to get back to respectability.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. Again, you pretty much covered everything there is to the cover about Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, I think we have one team left for you to
2: cover after. Yeah, we, um, we, but, okay, did I miss anything, boys? Anything you just <laughs> feel, though? My word is not God, even though I like to think it is sometimes. No, no, what you said was actually pretty, like, I, I
1: don't really have much to add to it. I'll even just say, like, I'm with you, like, the White Sox, right around 500 again, maybe 83 wins. 84 up there. Yeah. Um, Twinkies, you know, they'll probably, I think they'll be 85, 86. And then, uh, I do not even touched on them yet, but um, the Guardians, I have them winning with about 88
2: wins. Oh, okay, our, our win totals slightly differ there. As, as I get into Cleveland, um, I'll say it right off the bat, I have them actually peaking up at 95 wins. Because I, oh, I you're am you're so generous,
0: oh. you're so <laughs> generous.
3: Wow!
2: <laughs> Take a look at their lineup, and I'm and I'll quickly run through some of them here. The Guardians surprised everyone last year because everyone thought Jose Ramirez was going to be gone. We all thought he was going to be gone before by the by the first month. It looked like that was going to happen. He wound up staying, signing a big contract. There's a couple guys who took massive steps forward last year. There's 56 games they have against the Royals, the Twins, the Sox, the Tigers. You honestly tell me they're not going to get at least 45 wins out of that? No, I, no, I don't no, know, man. Me.
1: Division games in every sport are always harder. They're always tougher. I think they'll go, you saw what I said, 56 games. I'd say probably 35 to 38 wins they'll get at
2: their division. But still, and you know what? But there's a lot of bad teams around baseball that they're going to play a lot. And they're going to beat up on. Remember, every not team wrong there, everyone this year. So they're going to see the Diamondbacks. They'll see the Rockies. There's going to be a lot of teams that, where they take three-game series from. So I I, I could very easily see them, and that's when you know Justin was saying that there's only five teams picked to be above 94 wins. I'm like, excuse me, but do you not pay attention to what the, the, the Guardians can do to that division? You've got like 10 teams alone, man. <laughs> well, actually, I honestly think there's going to be 10 teams. There'll be between eight to 10 teams who finish 94 wins or better. So call that a hot take. Block it in now. There will be. I'm predicting more teams at 94 wins or better than baseball's experts are, but. Back to the guardians for a moment here steven kwan as a leadoff hitter is probably one of the best in the business he's a left-handed hitter he doesn't strike out a whole heck of a lot i had a chance to see him live last year when they came to toronto and did he make kevin gosman work for every strike he got not just an out but every strike the guy knows how to work account really well he, he knows what his role is you know he, he listens to the rock very well know your role jabroni um <laughs> but sorry, I had to work that one in there. Sorry, guys, uh, that didn't quite go over as funny as I thought it would. Uh, but Steven that was Cohen, good. It was good. <laughs> Stephen Cohen does what he does very well. He hits. He makes good solid contact. He can move runners over. Well, when there's a runner on second or first with less than two out, he can get them into scoring position with relative ease. I might add. Jose Ramirez is probably the best switch hitting player in baseball, and Top three on the defensive end with the glove in the field, so like this guy does it all. So, you got those two in the top, you're going to face those two in the first inning, no matter who you are. You're facing those two, one and three in the lineup. It can make for a very rough first inning for you. Josh Bell, uh, is remembers his protection in the lineup, he can still hit home runs very well. Um, there's they, the names don't get as sexy as you go down the lineup. I mean, there are some names like in with the Yankees or the Blue Jays. They still have some sexy names down in 7, 8, and 9. Not so much in Cleveland, but these guys just get the job done. They won't, they won't wow you. They won't go, like, hey, look at me. I'm hitting 315 down the 8 hole. They'll be like, okay, I'm just going to do my job. But that's Cleveland. They just come and they work hard. They got a legit ace from Shane Bieber. who. You know, he had an, a sub three ERA, which in today's baseball is phenomenal. When you can go sub three all year long, in two hundred innings last year, struck out one hundred ninety eight. These are numbers that you know twenty five years ago would have, would have been a run of the mill. ERA might have been a little higher back then, but two hundred innings and two hundred Ks was run of the mill back in the late eight late nineties, early two thousands. Today, not so much with any, with inning any management. Uh, the only real weakness that the Guardians have is that Cal Quantrill and Zach Pizak, who were Blue Jays fans and Team Canada fans, you know these names very well from their fathers. They need to start living up to their father's reputations and talent because they really haven't so far. They've been having more off-field problems and been in the news for all the wrong reasons. So they need to get back to baseball, just pitch, throw, and be successful. Um, in the bullpen, Emmanuel Class is an elite closer. He's got a 99-mile-an-hour cutter with a Randy Johnson-like 90-mile-an-hour slider. The same kind of movement. It is ridiculous. He actually reminds me a bit of Johnson when I see him on the hill. They have three or four of the guys who threw sub-2.5 ERAs yeah. last year. So they get to the seventh inning or later with a lead. Your chances of a comeback go from slim to fucking no. <laughs> You're done. Call it in. Obviously, that we we say that more in jest, than it's a hyperbole because you never know in baseball. You play until the last out happens. But I got the Guardians at ninety-five wins, repeating as division champs. After that, playoffs are anyone's guess, and as to where they finish, what happens. But I got them finishing quite high.
1: You're generous. That's all I'm saying. You're a generous man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, well, well let me ask you something then Sean you got them for eight you got them at the high 80s on wins why uh um, you what don't you like there
1: well actually I mean nothing I'll be honest with you guys you remember the movie major league very much the Indians were my team because of that movie I know they're not the Indians anymore they're um but yeah I'm actually a, a fan of Clevelands I just I, I'm just not like I don't know I just I just I'm, I'm more with the uh, the baseball experts, per se, on this one. I don't know, Justin, what they actually had them at for their win total. You might want to back me up there,
0: please. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, so they're at eighty-seven and a half. Thank you. I'm with the experts on this one. <laughs>
1: I just feel like
3: playing uh, teams every – sorry. I feel like everybody playing each other this season is going to be completely different from what they're used to. So I feel like there, the high eighties are probably more accurate in my opinion,
0: but cool. I don't know. Thank you,
3: thank you, thank you.
0: <laughs> they're they either they must be banking on everyone going like very close to, you know, even as this is the first year this is happening, uh, be, because I don't see it any other way why everyone is so jam packed close, and you have seven and seven. Uh, for bottom and then, you know, top of the heap, and then everyone is kind of a mismatch. You you take them could be one, could be the other. Um, they must really think this. Everyone plays everyone this amount of time is really going to mess with wins and losses because I, I don't see any other way. Yeah, them expecting nobody to get to a hundred after you know how many teams.
2: Hit 100 Wasn't last like year. Four One, five, two, five last year. Well, you had two three, in the end at least last year for it hit 100. Four.
0: We had four teams over 100. The Yankees were at 99. So, like, almost five. And you got, the Dodgers were at 111. Like, yeah. So, but yeah, Charles, that's actually, a, that's thing, a going big back to total. your
1: thing, uh, you're saying, like, remember, they're playing everybody. So, yeah, Cleve- Cleveland's going to play. The Royals, the Tigers, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, the Athletics, all of the bottom feeders. They're also playing the Dodgers, the Padres, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Cardinals, the Mets, the Braves, the Astros. Am I forgetting any of the top teams? I might have forgot one or two, but
3: they're also playing those teams
1: too, right? Yeah. I don't
3: think (laughs) they're
2: going to have to beat them. Yeah. But where, where I see Cleveland succeeding is especially in the National League, especially when, especially when you're talking Central and Out West. The Dodgers are getting older, the Cardinals are getting older, the Padres are young and they're hungry and they've got a star-studded team with injury questions. Cleveland has none of those problems.
1: Well, they have question marks of a couple couple of their pictures, pictures, yeah. pictures.
2: Yeah, a couple, <laughs> couple of pictures of their question marks. But they don't have questions of they're too old. They don't have question marks. Can they be healthy? Like some of the, some of the key key questions that a team overall, not so much one aspect of the team, but the team overall faces. They don't have those. The Guardians have swagger, for lack of a better word. They know they walk into the they could be a great team. They just gotta go and fucking prove it. So I, I think that I think that they're gonna play with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, I mean, you saw what they did to Tampa Bay last year. They went 15 innings and didn't give up a, didn't give up a run in that extra inning game.
1: It wasn't it 18? I thought it was two full games they played.
2: Well, pretty much either I way, though, it was ridiculous though. <laughs> <laughs> but like, their pitching doesn't to me doesn't have that many questions when they can throw up two full games of scoreless pitching against a very unpredictable, hard, hard-to-handle Tampa Bay team. Yeah, That so game's a to...
1: unicorn, though. That game's a unicorn.
2: <laughs> okay. Overall, yeah, you're probably right. But I don't have the same kind of questions when you look back and see, yeah, they can do that. They lost to the Yankees. And the Yankees last year didn't matter how bad or good the pitching was any given night. They had Aaron Judge. And that that, that swung the game multiple times for them throughout the season. So, and we're going to talk about Judge in a few minutes. But I, I don't see, I see very few flaws with, with the Guardians. Now, Mother, now, you know, whatever the God of irony is, might may, may turn around and smite me. And Murphy's Law might say, screw you, the Guardians will have injuries and they'll finish with 65 wins this year. Watch that happen.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm sticking with the experts on this one. I'm saying 88 wins.
2: <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Uh, See what the next six
0: months have to say. Well, you know, they are in second place because the Twins are 3-0 and and the Guardians are 3-1. and So, you never know. Put it on the board, folks. <laughs> we head up to the National League uh, NL East where, uh, like the AL East, we had three participants in the playoffs And we had one of the craziest blown leads in a division that I can remember in a long, long time. Um, uh, You know, the Mets got really full of themselves. uh, Mm -hmm. And I came back to back them in their ass pretty quickly uh, and seems to have, uh, you know, continued into this season uh, with the World Baseball Classic. Um, But... uh, I guess the question is, do we think the same three teams are going to uh, make it back to the playoffs, or uh, are we only going to see two of them return to the playoffs?
2: Oh, I say actually all three will make it back just because the Dodgers and the Padres will take up two, two spots and the Cardinals take up the other, and there's your six, along with the three teams in the NL East. Unless some real baseball magic happens, like an Angels in the outfield movie level magic, since you since you know you want to bring up some Major League movie memories there. <laughs> 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 um, minus that level of magic, yes. Uh, because what the Phillies went out in the offseason and when and how they did things first, and what the Mets did and the Braves. It's going to take a miracle for someone to dethrone one of them. It really is to, to see the Milwaukee Brewers or the San Francisco Giants throw up and be like, "Hey, you know, we, we're going to take a wild card spot on one of you." Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, I mean, what what do you say about the Washington Nationals in the NL East? Except 100 loss season, and they're going to do it again. Mark it down here. They will have 100 losses by the time the season is over. They they, they, they are
0: picked. Picks. They are picked to have the lowest wins at fifty nine. They are the bottom of the shock list.
2: me. No, uh, I think they had they were around fifty nine sixty last year. They had fifty five. And I, I, you know what, I can see them doing fifty five all over again, and 100, with one hundred and seven losses to go there. Um, they've got uh Kybert Ruiz, C J Abrams. James Wood, they've got some good, solid prospects coming through the system, but they're, what, I call them four four to six years away before they are consistent producers and a threat again. I mean, they they have a good pitcher in uh, Josiah Gray. He's a future ace. If he can really iron out a couple kinks, he's got a fastball that averages 95, can get up to that 97, 98 range when he really rears back with it. That's pretty much what you got to have these days is one fastball starter if it's touch the high 90s. Um, but this is all about the young stars just getting, you know, baptized in the, the routine of playing every day in the major leagues. So like a couple of the other teams, like Kansas City and a few others, the actual wins and losses themselves don't matter this year. They really don't. No, what matters is getting these players in ed- a baseball education, really. So oh,
3: and that'll take time on its own.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, so like, like the, the, the whole season of okay, going with the ups and downs, the ups and flow of a season, the injuries, routine, the diet, the training, yada 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 yada. Uh, that's what the season's all about for them. Is is those reps, both in the clubhouse, in the hotel, and on the field, like all the reps, just getting used to it. Um, if they, if they win more than fifty-five games. Mazel tov. Good for you, now Washington. Uh, we move up to the other kind of forgotten about team, the Miami Marlins. Formerly known as the Florida Marlins, for those of us who remember the two World Series titles in 97 and 03. Um, a, little, a little more upside to the Marlins this year. Their bullpen, which was in the bottom third in every major statistical category last season, um, they didn't really do anything with, so the bullpen still has a lot of questions heading into this year because the Marlins blew an, in, an enormous amount of leads last year going into the past the sixth inning. They couldn't not they couldn't buckle down and nail down a win. Um, their big uh, second base star, Jazz Chisholm, moves out to center field actually this year with uh, a couple of shifts around the, the infield going on. Uh, <laughs> their best defensive second baseman is now actually – they're starting shortstop in Joey Wendell. Their second-best uh, second baseman, which is Jazz Chisholm, is actually in center field. And their third-best second baseman is over at third base. Uh, that is Juan Seguera. And actually, Luis uh, Arezia, their who's actually their worst offensive second baseman, is their second baseman. Go figure out how that team is being run this year. Uh, the only thing that they did... That, Florida, Miami, Florida—whatever you want to call them—has going for them is the rotation. The reigning Cy Young winner in Sandy Alcantara. That guy—I hesitate to put this label on him, but he reminds me of Roy Halladay. He goes out there, he competes, and he doesn't look happy when he when he's out there pitching. He looks angry, like Doc did. Doc went out angry, and uh, he he had a, gr- a grudge and a, a big chip on his shoulder every game he pitched against the team that he was facing. And just he, he wouldn't smile, he wouldn't laugh, wouldn't do anything in the clubhouse, just sat there with a blank, monotone expression and be like, he, he thought he was going to go kill somebody or he just had killed somebody. So that that's what Sandy reminds me of. They've got Jesus Lozardo, Trevor Rogers. They went on and got jo- Joey Cueto to be the back-end fifth, fifth starter rotation stabilizer. So the, bull, the starting rotation has a chance to actually be the strength of this team and get them. I don't know where the experts have them, but I have them up at 79 wins.
0: Uh, you are very, very close. Uh, they are at 75 and a half.
2: Okay. Sean,
0: you want to
1: argue with me on this one? <laughs> no, 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 man. The, the, you give me nothing to argue.
2: I'm with you on this one.
1: I'd say about <laughs> 77, 78 wins is what I was thinking. So you're at 79. So I think we're in agreement on this one. So, oh, uh, All right.
0: Either uh, way, it's an yeah. improvement from last year. So yeah, exactly. any little bit of improvement in this division, I think is going to help you. Because uh, if one of the big three, not, I don't want to say this year, but in the years coming, Falter or have a down, you know, month or two, you can. That's oh, yeah. when you continuously uh, progress. That's when you can have leapfrog them and be like, whoa, hey. And that only helps with getting free agents and all that stuff that comes with that.
1: Now, sorry, this might be a bit of a hot take, but is it really a big three? Like, I know the Phillies went to the World Series, but they were what, like 88, 89 wins? Yeah. Were the we had, Mets and Braves were at 100?
0: They had 80, 87. But based on all the projections... I, I know they've they, they gotten
1: better and they went to the World Series, but is it really a big three? Or is it a big two with a really good third place
0: team? You know um, what? The two's a little possible. brother. One might say. I mean, ESPN has the Phillies as the seventh best team going into this year and they have them projected at
2: 89 wins yeah that's about right right where I where I have the Phillies as well um you know what I'm gonna call it a big three Sean just because the Phillies proved they could outslug their mistakes all year long all year long and, and they even did it to, to like the Mets and they did it to the Braves in the regular season and they did it to teams in the postseason. If they if they made a mistake on the mound or in the field, they came up the next inning or two innings later, and they out hit those mistakes. So I I'll call it a big three, but we can put a small asterisk. You know, as a big three, but not a big three. You no, know, if we if we want to go that far, but I, I I'll lump it in as a big three for myself.
1: No, that's fair. I just again I just I just put not that out there. I just the way I know like. When you think of like big three, like they're clearly the three, like they're gonna be yeah. a far yeah. Like well, everybody, where like the Phillies, they they're gonna be they're gonna be really good. I, I just don't know if they're gonna be at the end of the season, you know, whether it be a, a three way tie for first place, knock on wood, or you know, a game <laughs> or two back, or if they'll be you know ten or eleven games back. And at ten games back, you know, I wouldn't really say that's a
2: big three. But that's just, yeah. Hmm. The Phillies do have some big question marks, though, this year. They, they they may have trouble living up to a big three sort of label. Don't forget, Bryce Harper's out until mid, the middle of the season. Now, some people are projecting him sometime in June. Some are projecting all-star break. Some are saying trade deadline. He's coming off big, uh, big surgery, Tommy John surgery, which is rare for an outfielder to have, but he had to have it. So, he's going to be back sometime in the June-July uh, range. That's a big weapon meeting, missing out of the middle, middle of your lineup. <laughs> Nick Swarber and um, Nick Castellanos far exceeded expectations, both in the field and definitely at the plate last year. Do they? Does that consistency hold, or do they regress? If they regress, there's a couple wins out the window. They went out and got Trey Turner. For shortstop, mm-hmm. so when Bryce Harper gets back, you've got Kyle Schwarber, J.T. Realmuto, Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos, and Bryce Harper in your lineup. That's a pretty scary five players there that you'll have to face in the first six batters, maybe seven if they want to put Castellanos a little lower down to get a little bit pop later in the lineup. So that that, that makes them in terms of just pure home run hitting power one of the scariest teams in baseball when Bryce gets back. They got to stay in contention until Bryce gets back. How did they do that? Well, they're going to have to lean on on Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, who are one of the best one-two punches in baseball in a rotation right now. healthy. And we're going to talk about one or two of the others later on. Taywan Walker will come in, and he'll be the back-end rotation. Like I said, Johnny Cueto in Florida. Taewon Walker down in Philadelphia, will be their number five. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alberto, probably a top five one-two punch in bullpen in terms of what they can do. Uh, Craig Kimball and Greg Soto are also joining them, so their bullpen is a little stronger than what it was early last year. Uh, a lot of seventh-inning options now for the Phillies to try and get the game to Dominguez and Alberto to lock it down. Uh, I think, and I have them actually, you know, everyone's saying, you know, I actually had them up at 91, technically, excuse me. So I had them at 91, but with those additions, with the offense, they have, even with Bryce Harper out, the offense, they still have, if they got a lead heading into the seventh inning, uh, you better get your, your, your hard hat on and go to work. Cause you're, it's going to be hard to scratch runs off these guys, uh, in, in, in tight ball games.
1: I would also like to point out with the Phillies, it is only the first weekend. I'm well aware of that. There's 159 games left. They are 0-3. They have not won a game yet.
0: And they uh, are in
1: the basement in the NL East.
0: That's the, the best. I know it's there's still 159 <laughs> games left. Well, I mean, genius. if they go 150, well, I'll say 158 because they're currently losing
1: 5-1 last I checked. So I'll say 158. And four, if they finish that, Charles, I'll send you some money.
2: <laughs> well, I only have them at 91. I don't have them finishing at that high of a win. they only finishing at 91. <laughs> but, but, uh, but there's a lot that could go wrong. I'm a, I'll be the first to admit, there's a lot in Philly that could go wrong with even one injury to Nola or Wheeler. I don't like it for Philly. If, if they lose that, they already have Bryce Harper, who's the, uh, you know, that would be like the, like the Blue Jays taking Vladdy Guerrero for a month. They still got some pop in the lineup to compete but that's your big popper, your, your most feared bat out of the lineup. It, it just, the lineup will ro- rotate very differently that way. Um, so, no, like I said, I have them at 91 wins. They're projected to be about the same as they were. Baseball experts have them in that 87, 89 win range, about what they were last year. So we'll see. But I still think uh, they will finish third in the NL East behind the next two teams we're going to discuss and that is the never afraid to spend New York Mets who threw 101 wins up in the regular season they looked like they had the division title locked up 2 months before the end of the year then decided you know to lose ground and let, let the Atlanta Braves come in and take the actual division title from them didn't you they know you win
0: up. the world series in in July like well, everyone well, well, knows well, like that well. like so the, they were like, Oh, we did it. We won. Let's we, we don't need to play anymore. And
1: the Mets just told the
2: Leafs to hold their beer. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Uh they lost in the wild card round to the San Diego Padres. Uh as the Padres sort of had but their coming uh... out party a little bit.
0: Just that I mean, you you kind of had the feeling as soon as the series started. Everyone seemed surprised that San Diego went on the run they did, but like the, again, the Mets phoned it in in August, in September, and yeah. everyone was like, "Oh, the Mets are going to win this this series." And it was like, it was the, honestly, it was the easiest money I've made, and because the Padres were underdogs, it was even more of a windfall. But it was one of those like, like they're not going to lose. The Padres are not going to lose because, but everyone's picking the Mets, but they're they're going to lose. And lo and behold, here we go! Like they lost, and I I don't. I think they just tried to fix their problems with more money, and not really addressing the issues of what happened. And it's going to show again this year.
2: The Mets opening day payroll is an like. well over three hundred million dollars. It's as high as it, it's the highest opening day payroll I've ever seen in my my life. Um, I, Steve Cohen is trying to be the reincarnation of George Steinbrenner.
0: It, he on, he honestly read his book and went, "Oh, that's how you do it." Yeah, and here we are. You know, again, I don't want to you know sample size and all that, but. Like you know, the Mets, yeah, they're three and one, but based on you know how they're going, they're projected to get 87 wins, which is well based on the math from the first four games that they've played. Uh, and then you know, they're 92 and a half on this site on ESPN. Um, gotta keep going down. When you have I've to keep got going 30. down. That's yeah. 90 wins on ESPN. Like that's a, a huge to drop 11 games.
2: Now, see, I I'll do a bit of a spoiler. I have the Braves and Mets actually finishing again. Second year row tied at 94 wins.
0: He, not, 94 in this case seems much more realistic
2: than <laughs> the <than laughs> <any> other numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have them both regressing seven games.
0: But yes, when you look yeah. at Brendan
2: Nemo, Brendan Nemo's leading off for them now. He, he was one of them, outside of the big sexy names, he was actually one of a very heavily courted off-season player who decided to stay resigned resign with the Mets. But then well, he who, goes, did, Nemo, who did
0: they play in their opening series? I don't even know Mets? who they started. Yeah.
2: Actually, to be honest, I don't remember.
0: Right? Like, I didn't even see it on TV. Like, uh, I... Uh, going as fast as like can. Oh, they played the Marlins, they played they the Marlins, did. and then they lost today against the Brewers 10 nothing. That I did see.
2: Damn, <laughs> I thought it was 10 0. I didn't realize that was at the end of the, with the score. I thought the match would make that respectable. No,
0: yeah, so I mean, there you, you
2: know go. The score starts the year, they all come out and they always play well the first six, seven weeks of the season, and they look like a brand new team, and then they then. Net- then reality sets in. With well, them, let me... Okay, them.
0: here's here's the Mets... They played the Marlins in four. They won three out of four. They've lost to the Brewers 10 nothing today. They play them two more times. Then they open... Uh, they start their, their home... Uh, they have their home opener. Three-game series against the Marlins. Uh, then they welcome the Padres. That will be another test for them early. And then they play the Athletics.
2: So the, they have a relatively easy start to the season. They have a couple of tough series, but mostly easy stuff to start the year.
0: Yeah, it seems like they go easy, challenge, easy, uh, you know, a big challenge, easy and then they play the Dodgers, so challenge, but then the Giants and the Nationals, uh and then they end the month uh against the Braves. So it's That'll be a good one. That's a That'll a be deal. that at the end of the month uh, that's a good close for them. A good litmus test for this division to see where both the Braves and the Mets are at at the end of one month, because those division games are real. You know, like you said, do they want another tie? No, but those division games determined who finished first and second. Yeah. So those division games oh, yeah. obviously came into factor last year, and. You know, it showed the importance. Be like, oh, yeah, you know, lost a couple of lows and it bit them in the ass.
2: And this is where it's going to get interesting for the Mets. And you might as well look at me and with some question marks, is their starting rotation. They let Jacob DeGrom go. They let Chris Bassett go and take on Walker left. They replaced DeGrom with the surprisingly never never-ending, ageless wonder, Justin Verlander. Then they brought in Kodai Senga, who who is the outlying candidate for NL Rookie of the Year with that ghost four pitch of his. If you've never seen it, go look it up. It is devastating, and it does things that should be aerody- aerodynamically possible for baseball. Think fastball with a forkball sort of movement. It's stupid.
1: I'm gonna kind of wrap possible. my head around that. That's not possible.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, what is going on here? But yeah, it it, it has better velocity than, than a knuckleball you traditionally did. But its movement is ridiculously unpredictable. Like it's gonna be tough for a catcher to just consistently you know, frame that nicely. But if he if it works for him, he's gonna be a great, great number three pitcher for them. Uh, if Verlander Jays, if he he pitches to that 1.75 ERA he had last year, then the Mets look like fucking geniuses. Uh, Max Scherzer needs a bit of a return to health. He had a bit of an up and down year last year. He didn't look quite as dominant as he has in years past. Still had a a sub 2.5 ERA. Still under that, which is beautiful. So provided health stays there, there'll be no question marks. So my question mark is, can Verlander repeat that success? Is Scherzer going to be healthy? And how much of a question mark will Kodai Senga be all year long with Jose Quintana and Carlos Carrasco being your four and five starters back there? How much can that rotation still give you? How much of the bullpen are you going to rely on? Sure, Edwin Diaz is the lights-out closer as they get this year and in baseball these days. Um, Adam um, Odovino, great setup man in the eighth inning. Uh, The Mets brought in David Robertson, not quite the 100-mile-an-hour flamethrower he was with the Yankees. Still a pretty dependable pitcher. Can they get a lead to these guys in the seventh and eighth innings, and can they then lock it down?
1: Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, but isn't Verlander starting the year injured?
0: Yeah, they put him on the.
2: Well, didn't it, I it, see he was on the? He's just on the ten-day IL, I believe. So he will. Oh, was it ten day? Okay. He'll miss a start, maybe two starts at the most. Uh, yeah. I cannot remember if it was, when it was retroactive to. But he will only miss a start of two, and then he'll be back.
1: Yeah, I, I, I didn't really see. I just happened to see a little, uh, like, one
2: of yeah. those yeah, the, the, crosses the little...
1: besides. The, yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh,
2: that that I didn't even see he was out. So that was just news to me. So. Uh, so if I remember correctly, it's just a small muscle pull. Uh, He was responding well to all the treatments. Everything was good. They said he would miss probably his first one or two times in rotation, and he'd be fine. Okay, so he's well, still I got don't... 30 games left. So.
0: Don't forget, too, Diaz is out.
2: Yeah, for how long, though, really?
0: They, they say the whole season.
2: Yeah, something about, something about Diaz. He'll come back ear- earlier than, than expected. I forgot about Diaz, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I remember reading that earlier in the offseason, and I completely mind blanked on that today. I forgot about it. My apologies.
1: That's why we're here to back you up, Charles. We're your
0: friends. We're here for you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We uh, of of voice. I know that.
0: It's it's either good news that we haven't heard anything since the World Baseball Classic, it, it's just it's sucky because he injured it while celebrating, not a playing injury, so maybe that helps. Um, but sometimes good, those are worse. Those oh, those yeah. can be worse. The good news is it's you know been two and a half weeks. Um, uh, you know, so he's uh. You know, whatever, whenever he can start rehab and all that, he's going to do it. Um, obviously, being a pitcher and the extreme uh, pressure that goes on your knees uh, constantly. Oh. Now he's lucky that he's a closer, so he's not pitching under pitches every five days. But you know, pitching thirty pitches potentially, you know, four nights in a row if you're in that situation. You don't want to push it too hard because you want him for the play, you're gonna need him for the playoffs.
2: Uh, that's why I'm thinking he'll be back before a lot sooner than people realize. I would not be surprised if he becomes one of those trade deadline uh own rentals kind of things where where he'll he'll return to health and be like a trade deadline pickup. Well yeah. it wouldn't shock me.
0: So Based on what people are saying online now, nothing's been put out by the Mets, by him, that he should, by now, he should have started rehab. Um, But they say, uh you know, instances, there are athletes that come back around the six-month mark, Um, but those are exceptions more than the rule.
1: What did he do again? I know it was the knee, but, like, was it?
0: He was selling. He was hopping on the mound, and he landed wrong, I think, and that right. tore the tendon in his uh in his knee, the uh, patella tendon.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Which I remember seeing it. I just couldn't remember. Dominican
0: Republic really would have needed him <laughs> as they advanced All in the World time. Baseball Classic. Uh, I don't know. So this is the best of best
2: tournaments. The the biggest knock against him is that you know, if some guy gets hurt for his playing for his country, his club team ain't going to be too fucking happy about it.
0: Yeah. No. no, but I think that's just the nature of sports. Oh, You're going to want to represent your country and there's, you know, it's only been recently that baseball has opened up this option, right? Like, it's always, there's always been a, a world championship for hockey, um, football non-existent, but it you know it's more of the amateur americans level would win
1: 100 nothing anyways if there was one so
0: well there is on the amateur level um but not so much professional and i believe uh, the basketball... americans
1: win like 70 to nothing
0: oh canada won the last uh football
1: i do, i do stand crowd you remember that yes but <laughs>
0: um but uh yeah basketball it's been more olympics but that's still a best on best um But they do have the, you know, the FIBA World Championship, but not every all-star, if you will, for American side uh, goes. But internationally, it's huge for countries like Brazil, Argentina, Canada, Mm -hmm. um, Puerto Rico, you know, all their best want to represent their country to show that they are the best. Uh, And then you get, you know, other sports like tennis and squat, all all those where the World Championships curling, uh, that's really when it matters. Um, it's really been baseball that has been lacking in that department.
2: I don't think it's going to be lacking much anymore after the success of this uh, WBC from a viewership point of view.
0: But anyway. uh, I, th- I think it helped that USA made it all the way because they didn't last time.
2: Um Yeah, it, that does it, does it. Does help? Yeah,
0: you... the
3: viewership and but
0: Some
3: yeah
2: the numbers in Japan were apparently insane.
0: Well, I mean, which does not shock me. Yeah, now, it, it's. I, I want to say that they have a good. I would even challenge Japan as the new uh, headquarters of baseball in the world. We know viewership. We know attendance is down in American ballparks, and you know that demographic is aging. It is going. It's gone nowhere in Japan, as evident or Asia for that matter. Yeah. Uh it it's gone nowhere. It's been always been well attended. They were the first league back after COVID and successful. It
2: COVID, what COVID? We play baseball.
0: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I think the right the the two right teams ended up in that situation and it's only helping baseball. Maybe it'll reinvigorate attendance and viewership and fans in America, but hopefully it will. Um but I think it's it was it was needed and I think it'll help injury, early
1: in the season.
0: Yeah. Coming to the summer,
1: you know, the dog days of summer, you'll still historical low attendance numbers, still see those, but early, yeah. Especially with that Otani trout matchup
2: at the WBC. Yeah. Alright, so we'll finish off the NL East here with the Atlanta Braves, who while I have them to finish with the Mets at ninety-four wins, they will be top of the, the division once again. They'll have the tie break. So they will repeat as AL East division champs. They'll just sweep They'll the Mets to-
0: in every game they play against. That will determine
2: the Braves have questions in the rotation, probably more than they would like to have, but I I have them as the most balanced lineup in the National League, even better oh, fouling yeah. than the Padres, everyone went out. So you got Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olsen. This is a no, – this may not be the – actual. this is how I have sort of have them penciled in as a batting order, and this is, may not be what they actually have used. Acuna Jr., Matt Olsen, Austin Riley, Sean Murphy, Michael Harris, Ozzie Alves, Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario, and then Orlando uh, Garcia. That's as balanced as you can get in the National League in terms of lefty, righty, power, all everything you need. Um, Okuna and Riley are, in my mind, you know, with you know, with a little bit of regression from Goldschmidt and Arenado, they are potential MVP candidates. Those two guys. Uh, while Austin Riley probably going to be more of a, we would probably get it more with a glove. I think he should be a Gold Glove winner perennially in my in my mind. Alcuna is the guy who could easily step in and be an MVP, both with a glove and with the bat. But they've got Murphy and Harris and Olsen, who are also solid guys who very easily could be all-stars in the National League. Uh, something I'm doing while doing my research, Fangraphs actually has projected the Braves, this is before first pitch was thrown, to score the most runs in baseball this year. Hmm. Now, the Padres, the Blue Jays, the Astros, they might have something to say about that. For how many how many runs are scored? But Fangraphs has them projected to score the most runs. The only question mark offensively and sort of maybe they could affect the clubhouse. Last year, Travis Darno was an All Star as a catcher for them. Now he has to be the backup catcher because they brought in Sean Murphy from the Athletics. Uh, he'll he'll partoon as a catcher. And he'll probably also spell Marcelo Zuno at DH some days so he can still keep his at-bats going. But how, but the question I have is how pissed off is he at one year after being an all-star, now he's relegated to platooning in two different roles to keep his at-bats alive. So maybe a little trouble in paradise there from, in, in that regard. Uh, the rotation is not quite as strong, obviously, as it was when the Braves won it all a couple years ago. Max Reed's still the ace, <clears throat> excuse me, but they don't really have a number two starter behind him. Kyle Wright should be actually number three or number four starter. Spencer Strider is a great pitcher, could be a future ace of a staff with what he's got and what, what he's developing, but that's still a few years away. So he's, I have a penciled in as our third starter, but I'd rather see him as a fourth starter on some teams, really, so maybe he's not quite facing the same powerhouse teams and lining them up the same way. You got Charlie Morton on the back end, and then you know a couple options for the fifth spot. But like I said, that, that rotation isn't quite as menacing as it was three, four years ago. I still have them projected to finish around the 93-94 win range with the Mets. But they'll get their, I say, more so off the offense rather than the pitching. The Mets will get there more. I think the Mets actually might get more into the pitching than the Braves will. That's fair. Uh, that you haven't left much for us to discuss here, Charles. <laughs> sorry, we're being thorough. I didn't know. I, I didn't know what, who was making it for tonight. I'm sorry, guys.
1: No, that's fair. That's okay. I mean, yeah, you have no, nothing to uh, be sorry about. Yeah. <laughs>
0: let give my voice for another night. I mean, yeah, uh, on one site, the Braves are projected with the most wins at 95.5. ESPN has them at 94, and the third best team in baseball. Uh, you, you know, it, it's... The Mets essentially have to keep up with the Braves if everything is going how it is because the Braves are just going to be what they were last year and you know continue to build so the other teams are going to have to keep up with them and keep pace with them and hope that they have a lull or a bad two weeks um cuz that's it's the only way they're they're going to keep pace with them um mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know what the score is right now but It's great. Pos- it's six to two. They're beating the Cardinals in the bottom of the fourth. So, hmm. I think they're going to have lots of games like this. Oh my! The Jays are down seven one. Yeah, I didn't want to mention that oh, when I glad. saw so the scores earlier. earlier.
3: <laughs> it kept popping up. On I knew they were phones, coming like, up. All this, that, no. Nope.
0: Good thing yeah. I bet.
2: The great Blue Jays of the players
0: game. to hit home runs tonight, right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's going to look weird when, when we talk about the Blue Jays and in oh, the next few minutes. It's going to look weird because they're start, not starting the season well. But I'd rather get my ass handed to me a few times early in the season and then build and kick ass all year long than have your ass handed to you late in the season and have it cost you a playoff spot. Or a playoff game, as we all saw. Oh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. It I can't mean, be like, too
3: soon. It's already happening now, Charles.
0: <laughs> well, don't don't forget we'll two seasons ago where they lost out by a game. You know, some of these yeah. early games could have been yeah. that game to Well, but so that, you can't you know, win it in in April, but you can lose, lose it in it.
3: April.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't so. know how that's not a popular baseball shirt in, sold in every single stadium. Like mm. we say it's so we say it so often here on this podcast. And I can't imagine we're the first people to come up with that. Like
2: Now, two, just to talk, two years ago when the Blue Jays lost out by a game, you can pinpoint one single month what it cost them. That was the month of June when the bullpen mm. blew nine games. Yes. Now, in those nine games that they blew, the offense still fought back and actually gave them chances to still win. The bullpen still fucked it up. So I lay that at the bullpen's feet for that month that they couldn't get do their jobs because really, in reality, if they do their jobs, the rest of the season plays out, the Blue Jays are in the playoffs, and they probably go very far because there was quite a few AL executives who said, thank God the Jays didn't make it because they were too scary.
1: So, They'll like, probably be saying that this year too if that were to happen.
2: Well, yeah. And, and I think the Blue Jays, from a defensive point of view, will be even better uh, now, is it, oh, for any Canadian baseball fan, the division we're going to talk about next is what we've just been drooling to do for the last couple of days. has been affectionately called the AL Beast. Oh, God, boys. Uh, before we get too started, Justin, would you run down the experts' projections on wins for me, please?
0: <laughs> All right, so... I
2: love your air quotes, my friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on... Uh... <laughs> On one site, uh, they have uh, the Yankees at 94, the Blue Jays at 92, the Rays at 89, uh, and then we got a uh, 78 for the Orioles uh, and the Red Sox at 77 and a half.
2: So they, they got the Red Sox pretty much to go exactly right where they were last year because the Red Sox only got 78 wins last year. You know, it was one of the Blue worst Jays. games in this century. Hmm. I like got the Orioles regressing by four games. I think they're smoking a little bit too much of the of the uh, marijuana there.
0: Yeah, I don't think the Orioles are are that like. I don't see them regressing.
2: I, that my point exactly. I actually have them. This is where the hot takes happen. I have them finishing third in the AL East. They jump Tampa. I have them finishing third. I have Tampa Bay regressing because Tampa Bay, who actually, you know, we could talk about Boston, but in reality that's a team that is in a lot of trouble right now in terms of this pitching. The whole organization is a mess. I don't mm-hmm. even know, if they know which way is up because you know, they have so many guys who that if they don't, if they even miss remotely a month or so, it's going sink, to sink the Red Sox season. I think the Red Sox will finish right around the 78 to 80 win mark and there's a lot that's going to go wrong for the red sox this year this is going to be a tough couple of years to be a Bo Sox fan and you know i actually like boston red sox fans they're fun they're not arrogant like the yankees fans um they're to the talk to so they're
3: kind
2: i feel bad shitting on the Bo Sox, but because we, we, we always band together and hate on the yankees together you know like Ottawa, Montreal, you could bond together and hate on the Leafs. But um, well, no, I actually have Tampa Bay because they're the Rays are running it back. They have the exact same roster, pretty much as last year, except for one guy, Corey Kluber. Toronto. was
1: that? I say, didn't uh, Kiermaier come to to Toronto from Tampa?
2: No, oh, but Kiermaier didn't really, didn't really play for them last year. He was in San Francisco. Oh right, right. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, they, they didn't have Kiermaier because uh, last year, Randy or- uh, Arena played a lot of center field for the match last year. Right. Um. But Corey Kluber left, and he was replaced by uh, Zach Eflin. That's really the only change to, to their starting, everyday starting uh, lineups. Everybody else is the exact same as the running back from last year their bullpen through and a major league leading 682 and two thirds innings. That cannot happen again. You're going to burn out everyone's arms and then you're fucked from the word go. So they need a healthy Tyler Glasnow. now. They need Shane McClellan just to be the dominant player that he normally is. Um, McClellan reminds me of uh, a smaller Randy Johnson. There's a couple guys in baseball who seem to have – I think Randy Johnson was their idol growing up because they pitch just like him. But the the Rays from a pitching point of view, in my my opinion, are in trouble because they taxed their bullpen last year, and if they're going to do the same thing again this year, then they're – I don't know. They don't have the offense to to, uh, keep up with the Yankees and the Blue Jays. It's really going to be a tough one on them. And the Orioles, while I have them finishing third, These guys are too young to know how to lose, and they're too young to let losses affect them. You know, we see it in hockey. We see it in other sports all the time. A team is just so young, and they're so excited to be there playing baseball or whatever sport they are in some cases, that that youthful exuberance, just nothing affects them. They lose a tight game, whatever. They kick your ass, they're happier, then they're happier. Oh, gee,
0: what a win, 11 10 Wow! Let's do it again.
2: <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. What was the, that? The we Multiple won 85 Orioles games. Is wow! Is that good? I mean, they won 83 last year, and it was their first winning season in in forever. They hadn't had a winning season in decade in over a decade. Oh no, maybe 2016. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so they
1: put the Blue Jays in a wild card game, right?
2: Yes. Okay, but they had one winning so two winning seasons in the last decade. Not exactly a great run for an organization, excuse me. No, 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 So, but Allie Rushman is got the tools to be Yvonne Rodriguez reincarnated as a catcher. The kid can Mm -hmm, hit, he can call a good game behind there. He has a great arm to throw up base dealers. I, I would say he's one of the top five catchers in the entire league right now. Then you've got, you know, Blue Jay killer Ryan Mountcastle. That guy lit up the, has lit up the Blue Jays for the last two years. So, I as a Blue Jays fan, when the Baltimore Orioles are playing us, I am just like, okay, just hit Mountcastle. Put him on base. Whatever you do, intentionally walk him. Just don't don't piss to the guy. He's going to hit a home run off you. Uh, Gunnar Henderson is a great third baseman for them. Um, Anthony uh, Santander had, 33, had a career-high 33 home runs last year for them. Cedric Mullen is a great, especially with the, the lack of shifts, he'll be a fantastic leadoff hitter and base dealer for them, setting the table for Rushman, Henderson, and Uh James McCann is a great... Uh, Backup for um, Rushman, huge, huge upgrade over Robinson Torino. Huge upgrade because McCann is a a veteran player. Really could be good for their locker room too. Um, A lot of young arms in the rotation. Grayson Rodriguez, uh, Cole Irwin. These guys probably will remind you of a Roger Clemens-like kind of firepower coming out of their arm. Uh, Felix Bautista in the bullpen. I'm not even sure if Jose Bautista would want to face him. So, one of their big three, though, Dylan Tate, is recovering from off-season uh, surgery. So, he's not. he didn't start the opening season with them. So, they are missing a key weapon in their bullpen right now. So, keep that in mind. But I have the Orioles projected to finish third in the division, 88 wins. The Rays, actually, I had them dropping back. They'll finish with 85. I can see it. I can see it. They won't, It's not like the Rays are going to fall 15 games behind the, the top three. The Rays aren't going to fall that far back of everybody. But I think they're going to need this year to sort of figure things out again, revamp the team, and then next year the Rays will be the Rays again, and they'll be a pain in the ass. But the Orioles, they spent years being bottom feeders and punching bags in the American League. Uh, but even when the Blue Jays were only finishing fourth, they would beat up on the Baltimore Orioles. So was mm-hmm. one thing we can feel good about uh, for all those years when we were you know, being beat up on by the Red Sox and the Yankees. But the, the Orioles have taken the time. They have established a huge pipeline of talent. They have one of the best farm systems in baseball and prospect pools in baseball right now, even with the promotions of Mountcastle, and uh, Rushman, the, the, these kids are great and they're just the tip of the iceberg of what's come for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, for anyone out there listening, anyone here in the podcast with me who remembers when the Orioles had Mike Mussina, Rafael Palmeiro, uh, Brady, Hen- Brady Henderson leading off, and they, they just they were a good, solid team. They were always tough to play against. This, this they're going to be a reincarnation of this. This team is reincarnated from that late 90s, early 2000s team. So the Orioles. They're going to be hard to play against. They're going to make you earn every out. They're not going to give anything you freely. And they're going to give even the Yankees and the Jays a lot of trouble this year.
1: Yeah, no, that's um, <clears throat> that's accurate. Um, where did you have Boston? I know you had said in fifth, but what was their win total, you, you think?
2: Uh, well, I actually had them pay to pretty much repeat exactly last year, 78 wins.
1: Okay. Uh, do you think, because everybody's going got to play everybody this year, that the AAL East could have all five teams finish at 500 or better? No. You don't think Boston's going to?
2: No, I, there were so many questions Chris Sale is finally, quote unquote, healthy, I don't buy it. I don't know. A, I, don't, I don't buy the Red Sox being fully healthy. Trevor Story is injured, as, as far as I remember correctly. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, quickly. Um, I will
1: jump on that. Keep talking, you know, I'll jump
2: he, on that. You'll see a lot of him in the at the World Baseball Class. You didn't see him a lot in the spring training. You didn't see him doing too much of anything. Um, I mean, sure, yeah, the Red Sox, they went out and picked up, uh, you know, they, they re-signed Raphael Devers. Um, but T.K. Hernandez, at shortstop, figures to get a lot of the playing time with uh, story out.
1: It just a significant t- portion of the season for Story it doesn't actually have a timeline.
2: Okay, so I, I I say that he's a significant portion. He won't be back to at least the end of June. You'll miss the first three I, months of the year. That at was, least gets,
0: with that description, yeah, I think maybe even pushing it to after the
2: All Star break would wouldn't shock me either. Um, they did now. The one funny thing is, you know, just for irony, they did go out and sign um, Ryan Tapia. To be like their fourth outfielder, and he'll love hitting there since he hit an inside the park grand slam there last year while playing for the Blue Jays in <laughs> that twenty-eight to five laffer. So, I'm sure he'll love hitting in Boston, eighty-one games a year if you, if you can get a lot of starts. But I don't I don't see a lot of good things for the Red Sox this year, in terms of a as a season as a whole. Uh, injuries have been their, their killer the last. Three or four years to the rotation, and I don't see any reason why it's going to be any different this year. Yeah,
1: I only ask because I know last year, for like towards the late, I think close to September, like all five teams were above 500, and then Boston kind of went
2: down. Boston just made
3: that little bit of run. You're right. Yeah. I remember
2: that. Yeah, Boston, they they had a a bit of a hot streak there for a few weeks July and (laughs) August, but once the calendar for September, they just went ice cold. Yeah, I, I just don't. If Trevor Story wasn't out of the line of long term, I would probably have had the Red Sox finishing at five hundred. But without him there, I mean that's a big bat missing in the lineup. Um, you know, JD Martinez is gone. I'm pretty, he's not there anymore. He's not there, so they don't really have a, a giant home run threat right now. That's gonna be hard in a, in a ballpark like Fenway. You kind of need at least one good-sized home run threat in your lineup. So without that, I I just don't see enough of them doing doing enough to uh, to be a 500 ball club. They'll they'll be just short of 500, mm-hmm. but they won't be there.
1: Yeah, no, that's kind fair. Of yeah, just just based on lines like, yeah, maybe it's possible. Maybe someone will think it's possible. A little bit of a hot take.
2: Hey, know for anyone out there who wants to do futures bets, if you want to take the uh, the line of all the, of all the AL East going uh, 500 or better, I'm sure that's going to be a half season payout. Yeah. Now we get to the heavyweight matchup of the AL East, the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and this projects to be the heavyweight matchup for years to come.
0: Now I I post this question. Okay. Is there a possibility that the Jays can finish ahead of the Yankees if they win more of their head to head matchup? Is that going to make the difference if the Blue Jays win a significant more games against each other? I, I know that sounds like so simple. Like, well, obviously, if they win more games, then <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But if everything else, as projected and same as last year, goes to the way it did and you know they're projected to depending on where you look have very close uh win totals if the jays can win more series against uh the yankees will that be the difference on who finish, or can it be the difference between who finishes first and second or is a slow start like the blue jays are suffering from right now uh going to factor in at all or is it just going to be that head-to-head matchup that will determine the division those could
3: like those couple
0: games uh, between the two so h- hypothetical could everything could happen but <laughs> is it will that be the defining factor this season
1: i mean like huh? so if the blue jays beat. Win the series with the Yankees, they have to go at least eight and six because they're playing 14 times, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. You guys might want to smack me for saying this, <laughs> but I think realistically, for them to finish first ahead of the Yankees, they probably have to go 11 and three, 12 and two in the head to head matchup.
0: Well, especially if they continue their I- slow start right now.
1: Well, that, that's yeah, I, I. am taking their slow start into consideration. Um. Yeah, I. I. I, uh, I know both offenses. You know, they could. They're gonna light everybody up once they get going, especially in June, July. Their balls just sail out of both ballparks. Um. Yeah, I think the Yankees are still the team to beat in the AL East. I think the Blue Jays will finish. They'll definitely close the gap. won't be seven games this year. It'll probably be one or two, but I still think they have to like handle the Yankees in the head-to-head matchup to pass them.
2: No, I think actually uh, do the Jays have to beat the Yankees in the season series to claim first? 100%, number one. Number two? I think the Jays and the Yankees are going to pretty much play the rest of baseball to near identical records. So it will be that season series that comes down to it. But what would really actually affect the Yankees is what I'm going to bring up here is that they're missing 40% of their starting rotation. Carlos Rodon and Frankie Montes are, are out. Montes is done for the year. He won't even throw an inning probably this year. And it's September if he's lucky. Rodon is due back around early part of May. He's gonna but he's gonna miss three he's gonna miss four or five four turns through the through the lineup because through the rotation, excuse me. So it's just Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, and Nelson Cortez to start the year in terms of you know bona fide season starters. And Severino's only thrown 120 innings over the last four years. So he doesn't exactly have a durable arm. He's had a lot of injury problems. So the Yankees have an arse slot of rotation questions. Although, judging by the Blue Jays' starters start of the season, so do they. So, but the Blue Jays, at least, you know, we're talking on paper, Alex Manoa, Kevin Gosman, Chris Bessette, Jose Barrios, and if UC Kikuchi, his, his spring is indicating what his year's going to be, I'll take that five over the Yankees right now, any day of the week. Because because Gary is the only thing that can that can hold the Yankees going, and Manoa or and or Gosman can match up against him any day of the year. In, uh, maybe not with the velocity, but in terms of just, you know, same kind of outings they can put up. The Yankees, they went out and got Harrison Bader in center field to be a great defensive replacement there and to, and to allow Judge to move to right field more on a permanent basis and have John Carl Stanton be the DH. Bader is now hurt as well. He's not due back till middle end of May. So that means Judge has to play a bit more center, most likely. John Carl Stanton has to play a little bit more in the outfield. And we all know that. Stanton's hamstring has been an issue the last four or five years. He's had injury problems. The Yankees are probably going to live and die on Aaron Judge's bat once again. Biggest question mark, obviously, is does he repeat 62 home runs? Probably not, because no one wants to pitch the fucker. They'll they'll intentionally walk him and just to go see Stanton. Stanton has far more holes in his swing than Judge does. I was going to say,
3: though, first at bat, Aaron Judge hits home run Walk off home us. so yeah. it's it's hard to say. I don't know.
2: But foolish to to a pitch to him in the way they did. Very foolish, knowing that what, what he can do. I'll take my chances against Stanton versus, and then rather have Judge beat me. So the Yankees have so, a ton of question marks, as far as Stant- I'm concerned. Sorry, go ahead, Justin.
0: Stanton's either going to have a, a breakout year because of the lack of pitching and everything to judge, or he's going to, I don't want to say crumble, but he's not going to live up to expectations because more is on his plate Uh because there'll be less production by Aaron Judge because he'll get more walks and all the stuff that comes with having 62 home runs this season before.
2: Honestly, John Carlson hasn't lived up since he was traded to the Yankees. Not one bit. That's, fair. He's, That's fair. he's been injured. He hasn't put up the monster numbers people thought he would. And considering when, when I saw the Yankees picked him up, and I'm like, oh, there's a guy who, who hit 50 home runs in the NL, in the NL East, and he's going to hit 70 in the AL East. But he couldn't stay healthy, couldn't hit to save his life. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not even sure if John Carl Stanton would have – You know, will he see more pitches because of Darren Judge perhaps getting walked or pitched tighter? Maybe. Can John Carlson take advantage of that? No, that's a different story. Um, I have the Yankees finishing second in the division, losing to the Blue Jays by two games. I have the Yankees at 94 wins and the Blue Jays at 96. So, Yes. The experts, as we have so often referred to them in the (laughs) podcast, they have probably the Yankees at 92, uh, and the Blue Jays down a little bit low below that. Uh, I'm going to say...
0: One has 94 for the Yankees. One uh, has 92 for the Jays. Hmm. Um, Then we have ESPN has 96 for the Yankees. And uh, 93 for the Jays um a lot mostly everyone has the yankees winning the division and the blue jays getting a wild card
2: and you know what not out of the realm of possibility i think that the yankees are going to wind up you know with some pitching issues though and they they may falter just enough and the blue jays can leap ahead of them remember i think it's
3: honestly oh sorry charles
2: I'll just say, remember, the Blue Jays' home field has changed a little bit. The in the ballpark have changed. the The walls are higher, but they move them in a little bit. Some of those line drive home runs that have flown out over the years that just clear the wall, those are not home runs anymore. So those are going to be long doubles or long singles, depending on you know, is it Vladdy Guerrero or is it you know like who who's running on the base paths? If it's Alejandro Kirk, it's a long single. Um, but I think I think it's going to play differently. There, there was a lot of cheap home runs over the last two years at Rogers Center, both for the Blue Jays and their opposition. Those won't be home runs anymore. And also center field, there's parts of that wall that went five feet higher. There's There won't be too many gimmies at the Rogers Center anymore. Go ahead, sorry, Go ahead, Cole.
3: Oh, it's all good. I was going to say, I feel like the two, the biggest factor from last season to this season is – the Blue Jays went a little bit more like maturity level with some of their ad- additions. So it's seen how that kind of fits in the rotation with some of their younger guys still. That could make that, like you said, Charles, those two-game difference yeah. between the Yankees. It's all going to see how it plays out with how they fit in their role.
2: Kevin Kiermaier, Brandon Belt, and, Dar- and Dalton Varsho. Are the guys that Colt, uh, the Colt, excuse me, Cole is uh, referring to, uh, also a better left-handed versus right-handed balance in the lineup. Last year was almost predominantly a right-handed lineup, unless Craig Biggio was in was in there. Uh, now you've got Biggio, who's still around, who who and he has positional versatility. You've got Kiermaier and Belt and Varsho. You've got four guys who can be left-handed bats in that lineup. You can really spread them out, and it's going to make uh, certain guys like Gary Cole, who are very tough on right-handed batters and sometimes get hit harder by the lefties, that's gonna, they won't have an, as easy a time with the Blue Jays as they used to. And I think that's also going to be as Cole's point. There's a lot more – I mean, Kiermaier and Bell. Bell is a multi-time world champion. He's been all the way. He knows what it takes. Kiermaier has been around for years, and he has seen the Blue Jays for years. He knows what it takes. And Kiermaier has been to a World Series with Tampa when they lost to Philadelphia. So, like, he's been all the way. He, he's been there. He knows what he's doing. We know George Springer's resume. So, th- there's a lot of guys on that roster now who have some championship pedigree to them, or at least championship experience. And they can really keep some of the guys keel, even keel over the course of the season, not to get too high or too low. Yes, the rotation has some questions. As can, you know, can Barrios bounce back? Can Kiguchi bounce back? But Noah and Gosman can they be a little more efficient with their pitching and get more 6th, 7th inning, not 5th, 6th. That is going to make a big deal for the Blue Jays if they can do that a lot more often. Uh, Too often last year, Gosman was getting up to 100 pitches by the middle of the 5th inning. So they've got to be a little more economical in their pitch uh, selection and being a little bit more tighter there. Uh, They did also improve their bullpen. Eric Swanson is going to be a very good 8th inning man. Chad Green, who will be a phenomenal return to the bullpen when he gets in in June, July, when he recovers from his injury. That's going to be like another, you know, trade acquisition without being a trade acquisition. Uh, don't forget, the Blue Jays do have a former number one prospect. Now, <laughs> not so number one prospect in Nate Pearson. He still tops out 99 to 100 miles an hour. He can be a high leverage arm. He starts the season in AAA, but I think he will only take one or two injuries in the bullpen, or if someone's been overextended off of a uh, doubleheader, Pearson's going to be one of the first guys called up. Uh, Also, the Blue Jays have a very exciting prospect who I think will be seeing Major League action by the end of August. That's Ricky Tiedemann. The man is young. He's still in his early 20s. Left-handed pitcher who throws 99 with the fastball. That has potential of being a number two, number three, and then in the Blue Jays rotation. Add that with Manoa and Gosman and Barrios. Uh, I think you're looking at a very deadly rotation come August. Um, I know the Jays have started one and one and two to start the year. They're probably going to go to one and three because they're losing to Kansas City at this moment. We said you can't you can't win the World Series in April. You can lose it, but I don't think the Jays are going to lose it this early either. They'll straighten themselves out they'll get on a hot streak for 2 or 3 months they'll win the they'll win the division by right, two games over the yankees it'll come down to the final weekend the jays will clinch on the final weekend Damn. <laughs> yeah yeah the, 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 there's a hot take for you i'm calling i'm i'm calling the jays will clinch on the, clinch on the final weekend of the season
0: I mean, if it Put goes back, down uh, to that, that's going to be one hell of a very exciting season to watch for the AL East if it comes down to the last uh, weekend or series on who gets the the division. I mean, that's, again, what baseball needs.
2: No, but baseball, and we want to talk excitement. But I mean, right now, through the first weekend of the season, games are a half hour shorter. The average time through this point last year was three minutes, three hours and nine minutes. They're down to two hours and 38 minutes so far as an average time. Now, the opening day game for the Blue Jays and Cardinals really didn't help that. It was a four hour game, but with the amount of pitching changes and the offense they had. So, wait, what pitch clock? Who said it was going to be faster? But overall, the pitch clock has been a success in shortening games.
0: And I think what are your guys's. Yeah, what are your guys' opinions on what we've seen so far with the new rules and the pitch clock and everything? Do you think it's working out? Do you think the people that are complaining are just don't like change? Do you think there'll be some tweaks? Uh, Like, what are your your overall thoughts uh, as a fan?
3: I feel like the people that are complaining right now are those people with, like, the unwritten rules of baseball that they lose, they flip out on when you have some of the younger stars that like to show off a little or still continue on when it, they're up, when a team's up by like nine or 10 runs, like they still give it, they still give their all. I feel like those are the fans that you're going to really see the, oh, why do they have to be timed? It's not going to make that big of a difference, blah, blah, blah. Um, so far, like it's still very early, but I – I like the shorter time. I think that's what baseball needs, something like that. That's not going to make that big of a change in regards to the game management, I feel. But that big of a difference that it already shaves off like a half hour time.
2: Oh, absolutely. The uh, the pitch clock, when, when they first started talking about it a few years ago, I started scratching my head and I was wondering, was that really going to be good? But after seeing it through spring training, after seeing it so far early in the season, I have fallen in love with it. I think it's a great idea, and it makes me wonder why they didn't bring it in faster. Um, I mean, uh, the the annoying thing for fans, you know, we've all been to ball games, you know, pitchers throwing over to first base fifteen times during one at bat, or uh, constantly stepping off, or this or that. You only do it. You can only throw over twice. At bat, you can only throw, you know, you, all these limitations pretty much focusing it on you got to focus on the batter in front of you. Uh, it, it makes the game faster, makes it more exciting. I'm all for all the rule changes. I, I don't think any of the rule changes that have come in this year have been bad.
1: No, like you guys, that it's been for the better. It's early to tell. I think you'll get the real sense of it come June, July. Those long long summer days, I think that's when you'll really feel the full effect of the rule changes. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't watched much over the first weekend, uh, busy doing other things, but I did watch a little bit of that opener with the Blue Jays and Cardinals that was not short. So.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, well. It seems like we've done it all, been through it all and now it's just time to sit back and, and play ball. Play ball <laughs> in under 2 hours and 34 minutes. Uh so let us know what you think is going to happen this season. Are we right? Are our numbers off? Is Charles just uh, imagining everyone's going to win and there'll be no losers, everyone gets a win. Uh, let us know on our social media page. Uh, check out part one, uh, and uh, you know, we'll check in, uh, see how the season's going, get some game reviews. Paul likes to go to games, so we'll get the new experience, the enhanced uh, areas in Rogers Center, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens, what shakes out. Uh, we're it's the greatest time of the year. We have baseball starting, playoffs starting, and hockey and basketball. F1 season is up. Uh, MLS season is starting. And at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, it is time for all that snow to melt. Uh, so for all of you listening all around the world, uh, we're up to 14 different countries Thank you so much for uh, joining us and listening to our opinions. Find us on our social media channels at Sports United Podcast. Uh, if you have an idea for an episode or think, hey, I'm really smart. I should be a guest. Send us an email at sportsunitepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you might have to take a test. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, plus and one that's plus one times two. <laughs> window, obviously. Jeez. <laughs> That's going to do it. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Enjoy the start of baseball. Uh, Stay safe. Sport on. And play ball.